evening this evening. We're going to look in James chapter 1 tonight. James in chapter 1. We're going to read verses uh, 1 through 4. Verses 1 through 4. And um, so this is what we say. This is what we're looking at tonight. This is going to be where we uh, we stick in this evening for our sermon and get into our message and in hopes that it will be a blessing to you and yours tonight. James chapter 1 and verse 1. The Bible says James a servant of God, uh, of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad. He says, Greeting, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. So we're going to have a little quick Bible study tonight, I think it will be. It's what we're going to refer to it tonight as a Bible study. And I want to speak to you on how to pass, passing the test of of life. Let us pray. Father, again, we come to you. We ask you to bless the message tonight. Bless the hearts and the ears of those that are here, that are here this evening. Lord, touch them and watch over them. Lord, we love you and want to thank you for all that you've done. Thank you for your grace, your mercy. Thank you for your direction, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. As already said tonight, guys, we want to talk about passing life's test. And uh, we, we got to understand, all of us are going to be tested in life. Sometimes uh, uh, the tests are going to be greater, sometimes they're going to be less, sometimes they're going to be hard, sometimes they're going to be a little bumps in the road, but there are going to be tests in our life nonetheless, whether we believe it or not. And before we get into the uh, probably the big question or the big, uh, I don't know, the, the, the big thought tonight, uh, you know, maybe someone's listening online or you're here tonight and you're, you're not a Christian, you're not saved, you're not born again, you say, well, you know what, uh, I'm not a Christian, so I'm not going to go through any test. Everybody's going to be tested. doesn't matter, saved or lost, okay? Maybe you're here tonight and say, you know what? I'm going to become a Christian. Maybe you're listening online. Maybe I'm going to become a Christian so I can avoid the tests and trials and the temptations of life. That ain't going to work either because everyone, no matter who they are today, no matter what you subscribe to, no matter what your belief system is, no matter where your destiny is going when this life is over with, during the period of time of our life, from beginning to end, that little hyphen between our birth year, we are going to have tests over our life. But nonetheless, guys, we are going to have tests. It is a fact of life. Now, the Bible calls these tests, in the book of James, he calls them temptations. And we'll dig into that just a little bit uh, more as we move along the sermon tonight. But guys, we're going to face in life heartaches. We are. Uh, we're going to face these things. We're going to have them. We're going to face disappointments. We're going to have tests of life. And here's the, here's the reality. You're going to fail some of these tests. But you're going to have to understand that they're going to continue to come over and over and over until which time you learn to pass them, okay? So we need to learn how to pass the test of life. I found that God many times is a, is a strange teacher, if you will. He gives the test first and then the lesson afterwards. So we're going to face these tests in our life. So the first thing we need to understand is we need to understand the reality of tests, the reality of tests. It's just like school, guys. Any education worth its weight and salt are going to have tests. They're going to test the students. So I remember when I was in grad school, guys, and when we were we were getting ready to, to uh, test out of uh, gross anatomy, and the way that you tested out of gross anatomy is, of course, you obviously you had your, your several weeks to where you were uh, you were cutting into the body, you were identifying things, and, and here's what 
I found out real quick, F. Netter was one of the, is a world famous anatomist. He's the guy who, the illustrator who you see majority of the anatomy drawings on the wall. F. Netter is the one who, who did those things. And you know what I found out when you, when you cut into a human cadaver that's been donated to, uh, to science? They're not color coded like F. Netter did. They're not blue, yellow, green when you're talking about the Fletcher Digitorum Profundus and the extender. They're just not color coded. They all look the same, you know? And sometimes when you open up that forearm and you peel it back and you're looking at it, you're like, well, I know what's supposed to be there, but that's supposed to be red, and the one next to it is supposed to be blue. It's almost like maybe cutting open a bomb and saying the blue red, blue wire or the, or the red wire. Which one do you pull? And uh, in all fairness, to be honest with you, in some of these tests, what we would do is we would slip our finger up underneath, underneath that tendon, and we'd give it a little tug. And we would find out which one it was. If it was the digitorum profundus, we knew what was moving. If it was the uh, if it was the owner uh, working from the owner nerve, we knew which one would move. And we'd be like, oh, okay, this is what it is. You know, those are the kind of tests that you have. Our anatomy, our test out for our, our human anatomy uh, in grad school, guys, was literally a room of nothing but lamp stations and a bone sat on that. On that uh, on the table, and you had to come and identify. You have 76 uh, bones that you had to identify for that test in order to pass that class. And uh, you know, I thought there was one of them was a joke. I'm looking at it. it honestly, looked like a rock, and I thought, well, it's got to be a patella. You know, it wasn't a patella. To this day, I don't know what it was, but I got it wrong, and uh, I still think it was a rock. I think they were fooling with us. But guys. Our life is going to be like that. We're going to have tests in life. We're going to face uh, these things. And the reality of tests in life, we have to accept. We have to understand them that we're going to have tests. We're going to have trials. We're going to have temptations. We're going to have difficulties. And there's no fine print in the contract. Uh, guys, you know, here's the deal. It's, this isn't Christmas time. Uh, you know, there, there isn't an if, and, and buts, and candy, and nuts, and all that stuff, guys. Uh, listen, there are going to be trials in your life. Verse 2 tells us, count it all joy, okay? If you, or it doesn't say, if you fall into diverse temptations, what does it say? Count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. There's no if there. All right. So if you think tonight, if you think tonight that you're gonna that you're not gonna have difficulties, you're not gonna have trials, you're not gonna have tests in this life, guys. Uh, again, I've already mentioned it because you're a Christian, you're fooling yourselves, or you've closed your Bible. Being saved is not going to make you immune to heartache or temptation in this world. They are universal and they are inevitable, and we need to understand that. So that's the reality of test in life, guys. So in order to first of all, in order for you to pass life's test. You've got to accept the fact that they are going to be there. They're going to come in your life. Now, you, know, you may be sitting here tonight. You may say, wait a second, preacher. How do I know it's a test or it's just life? Well, you know, sometimes you don't know, okay? Sometimes you may be facing something that is just going to prepare you for a test that's going to come down the road, a trial, a temptation. You don't have to know. You just got to understand the reality of testing your life. Secondly, guys, we need to recognize, recognize the test. And here's the second thing. This is the thing that I want you to notice that, and uh, and again, we're, you know, we're just going to rush right through this. We're going to get into it. Not only do I want you to understand the reality of tests, but I also want you to recognize the test. And, I, and you may say, well, why? Why do I recognize the test? Look with me, if you will, there 
uh, in your scripture where it says, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations. That What the word divers means, guys, is like diversity. That's where that word comes from. It means various. It means uh, multiple kinds. It says divers temptations. And what does that mean to us? What is James trying to tell us? And you know, understand, uh, many people discount the book of James. The book of James is a very practical uh, applied book. It's a practically applied Christian book. And, it, and it's for us today. It applies in our life and it gives us the life that we can live and practically accept his teaching. So there's all kinds of difficulties that you and I are going to face, and but we're, they fall into two major groups, okay? So you need to recognize which one um, are there. So the word trials can mean test, all right? It's, it's like um, we're put through a test to see how we're going to respond to it, all right? It's much like an acid test. You have certain types of tests that will perform uh, the validity or the or the uh, the purity of certain metals, okay? How are you going to respond? Those kind of tests will come to your life. But the word temptation of a trial, now, temptation can also mean the inducement of evil. And this is where common sense comes into play, okay? The first test, the one that is a test to, to see how we're going to respond, that test is going to come from God. That test is going to come from God. The inducement to evil or to do evil is going to come um, from the devil. It, it, and that, that's hands down. Both of those are going to come from separate individuals. They, they do not mix. They do not, they do not overflow. Go down to verse 13. You can read it from the screen here, if you will. The Bible says, Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot uh, be tempted with evil, neither tempted he any man. So if you're being tempted to into the inducement of evil or the inducement to do evil, God ain't within a country mile of that, okay? God is nowhere involved with that thing. I've heard men tell me that, well, preacher, you know, I just felt like I'm led to go down there and, and get involved with all this type of sin so I can reach those sinners. God ain't anywhere near that, okay? And don't fool yourself that he is. That is an inducement to do evil, and that type of temptation comes directly from Satan himself. So there are two kinds of tests uh, which will come in our life. One is going to be from God. And the other we're going to see, or one's going to be from God, which is going to be to test our reaction. And the other temptation is from the devil, and that is the inducement to do evil. So the trials that are sent by God, guys, the trials that are sent by God are meant to cause us to stand, to stand. You know, one of the things that Dave and I were talking about this on the way down today, and I, I, I don't know if it's a test for me or what, but I struggle greatly with the weakness of our society. All right, I know I'm not the only one, but I do. I struggle, struggle, I struggle greatly with the weakness of, of discipline, the weakness of diligence, the, the determination, the lack of determination. I struggle with that, and I have to peel myself back, and I got to say, hang on, hang on, don't give in to the flesh. How am I going to react to this? Let me, let me continue to stand in my life. There are some unmovable things that are in my life, according to this book, which this book is for everyone, they are unmovable. One of them is the Word of God. I don't, listen, I, I, I am not going to compromise the Holy Scripture by any stretch of the imagination, okay? It is what it is. It is the foundation that I stand on. Number two is my family. I'm not going to compromise my family. Number three, I'm not compromising the church. It is an unmovable entity for me, Okay? I was talking to David about it. some of you may I don't think you guys have heard this this the sermon, but I, I preached a sermon last summer. I preached it initially in a church in Nashville. Uh, I preached it in our Cindy Church, our home church in North Carolina, and I believe I preached it one other time. But it was change your thoughts, you change your outcome, and it was the 
a very, very, very detailed descriptions of the events that happened to the Lord Jesus Christ on his crucifixion day. And you know why that why I preach that message? Because we have a very sanitized view of it. One of the reasons I never watched um I forgot the name of the movie, Mel Gibson movie, Passion of Christ. Uh, no offense, if you watched it, fine. I did. But I know how my mind works with things that I see. I don't, I can't unsee things. I can't, I, there's things I can't forget. And one of those things are images, words that people say, uh, you know, things like that. It's just, it, it's a curse, but it's a blessing at times. So the reason I never watched that film, and I heard people rave about it, but the only reason I didn't watch it, is that I knew that my mind and my heart will be affected. When I read my scripture, I would see that actor. And, it is, and I heard, man, I heard it was brutal, brutal, brutal. And I know I've heard testimonies of people who gave their life to the Lord Jesus Christ after watching that film. And praise God for that. I'm all for it. But for me personally, I didn't watch it because I know it would, it would interrupt my image of that day. And so when I came back to this sermon and preached this message last year, and I may preach it down here, Change your thought, change your outcome. I went through a detailed account of what exactly happened to Jesus Christ. We actually had a, a, a man, a, a younger man, but uh, actually walked out of the side room and because uh, he was getting nauseous. And that's what we need. Guys, we need to understand what Jesus Christ went through so that you and I can have eternal life. But on top of that, Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, Jesus Christ said, he says, Thou art Peter, then he turned the finger back toward himself. Peter is not the rock, by the way, and he never was the Pope. He had never set foot in Italy a day in his life. Okay, Babylon is Babylon in the Middle East when it says the, the churches of Babylon greet thee. It's not Rome. He never was a Pope. As a matter of fact, the Catholic institution wasn't even around when Peter was alive. It didn't show up until the 4th century under Constantine, the emperor, 327 AD to be, to be exact. Saying all that to say this. Jesus Christ says, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock, speaking of himself, I will build my church. And the gates of hell, speaking of the world religions found in that, uh, in that hewned out stone across that wall there in Caesarea Philippi, he says, shall not prevail against it. Okay? How did he build that church? He built it upon the death, burial, and resurrection. He built it upon the sufferings that he experienced. He built it upon the pain and the, and the as we heard last week in the ninth hour, the suffering and rejection from the, from the Father. He built that upon himself. And so when I say the church for me is unmovable, it's unmovable because of what the Son of God, the creator of all things, according to the book of Colossians, and in him all things consist about. That's why I, it is unmovable for me because he died for it. He died to bring me back unto him. And so there's going to be tests in my life, and the tests from God are there to cause you to stand, not to sit down, but to stand, to seek your heels in, to dig in and say, I'm not moving, okay? But the temptation from the to do evil, the temptation from the devil, they're always meant to cause you to stumble. They're always meant to cause you to stumble. He's trying to throw something out there into your life to cause you to stumble. God wants our maturity. Satan wants our misery. And that's just the way it is. So whether the trials come from God to cause us to stand, or whether it's an inducement to evil, which is the, from the devil trying to cause us to stumble, never forget, God allows them both. The devil ain't doing anything without God. I mean, look at the issue with Job. Does Job does, you know, trust you, or does he believe you for nothing, right? He says, take everything that he has, and he'll curse you to your face. That's what the devil said. That's what Satan said to God. God said, take it all. Just said, spare his life. Don't touch him. So Job lost everything except his wife. Lost everything. Lost his children, lost his cattle, lost his, his home, lost his, his, uh, his wealth. Lost it all. And guess what? Never curse God. 
Oh, Satan came back again. He says, you, but you take his health away from him. You set a hedge around his health. He'll curse you to your face. He said, God, take his health. Spare his life. The devil inflicted him. Job sat down on that ashes, sat there with a pot shirt, uh, peeling off those boils that he was inflicted by. His wife even said, why don't you just curse God and die? Get it over with, man. And he says, naked I came out of the womb, naked I shall return. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh. And never curse God to his face. In the very end of the story, he gets everything back twofold. Okay? And his children, which is a, a dispensational teaching that we can go over at a later date. He gets everything back. I'm saying all that to say this, guys. God's going to allow the test and the trials and the temptations into your life. Some are meant, you, meant for your maturity. They're meant for you to stand. Others are meant for your misery. They're meant for you to stumble. But God is allowing each and every one of them. And none of us are going to be immune to them. I want you to read, write this address down somewhere, if you will. But I want you to read this from the screen. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you. And some strange thing happened unto you. Usually... Uh, usually, this is one of the first things that most people say, man, why? I, I know I've said it. I, I know there's been so many days, guys, when, when I, have, I have gotten everything in order throughout the entire week. I mean, perfect, everything ready to go, ready to go, ready to go. And then something happens, and I know what it is. I know that it's coming as a trial, it's coming as a temptation, it's coming in as a test, and I just want to absolutely explode. And I say, good night, man, why? Why? A better question is, why not? I'm not above t trials, temptations, and tests. You're not above them. They're going to happen in your life, and you're going to fail them in your life. And when you lose control, you act like an idiot, that's when you're failing. That's when you've got to step back and say, hang on, it's time for me to mature up. It's time for me to stand. I need to recognize where this is coming from. It's either causing me from a misery, causing me to stumble, coming from the devil, or God wants to see my response. And whether I'm going to be mature, I'm going to stand. And, and I know I, I've done it many a times. And I know, I'm sure you have as well. But avoid saying, how in the world is this happening to me? I'm a child of God. I go to church. I read my Bible. I tithe. I do all these things. Just take it like it is. Okay, Lord. Here we go. Here's a good illustration. I think this is a perfect illustration. When we look at these type of trials and tests in our life. So the Bible says that God tempted Abraham. Yeah, we know that. We know the story. He tempted Abraham, we know this in Genesis 22, uh, to sacrifice Isaac. And he certainly didn't want to tempt Abraham to do evil. He tempted Abraham to do good. And this, is, this temptation was a test. He tested Abraham. And this is what the Bible says. This is what he tells him. He says, and he, and he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. Of course, we know the sacrifice never took place. We know God was teaching Abraham a lesson of substitution. Now, not only him, this is the first time, as a matter of fact, Genesis 22, as they, they carry on, and Abraham tells the, the servants with him, he says, Tarry ye here, I and the lad shall go, will go yonder, and worship, and come back unto thee. Okay, it's the first time the word worship shows up. According to the law of first mention, when a word shows up for the first time, it establishes the definition of that word. So therefore, worship is always directly associated with sacrifice. Okay? Worship, true worship. Worship in spirit and truth has an element of sacrifice. But God was teaching Abraham. He didn't want him to sacrifice. He was teaching him a lesson of substitution. And he let a ram die in his son's steed. 
Matter of fact, Isaac, as they were moving up the hillside, Isaac said, I see the fire. <laughs> I see the wood. Where's the sacrifice? And Abraham's exact words were, the Lord shall provide himself a sacrifice. He shall provide himself a lamb. This is a side note. This will be free for you tonight. The very mountain that God told Abraham to go over there and, and sacrifice Isaac, that land of Moriah, we know today as Jerusalem. And we know that mountaintop to be Golgotha, the very place Jesus Christ was crucified. You see, Isaac became a picture of the son. Abraham became a picture of the father. We know, according later on, Eliezer, the chief servant, became a picture of the Holy Spirit of God. I'm saying all that to say this, guys, there was a reason, there was a purpose for him tempting him for this trial. And it wasn't for him, he wasn't tempting him to do evil. He was tempting him to do good. He was tempting him to make sure nothing was between him. He was saying, Abraham, I want you to love me with your entire heart. And God provided a lamb. I'm convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt that had Abraham sacrificed him, he knew God would resurrect him. I'm also convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt as Abraham and Isaac walked up one side of the hill, that ram walked up on the other side of the hill and got caught in that thicket. So that became the sacrifice. That's my God and his preparation. So now the third thing that we need to know and apply in our life tonight is we need to respect the temptation, guys. Back to verse 2 in James chapter 1, what it says, Count it all joy when ye fall into diverse temptations. The word fall uh, literally means being pounced upon. We think of fall like, oh, I, you know, a trip and a fall. That's not what it means in here. It says when you fall into something, you're being pounced upon. It's not a trip or a fall or the manner of a stumble, but rather it's a design or a result of an ill choice. But it's about, it's the same word that's used in the parable of the Good Samaritan when he left Jerusalem, went down to Jericho, and he fell among thieves. He was pounced upon, okay? So what this means is these trials, these temptations, these tests will come upon us quickly and many a times viciously. They'll come suddenly and they'll come seriously. And you never, never know when or where you're going to fall into these things, when they're going to happen. I mean, everything can be, I mean, life can be running around with kicks and giggles. I mean, you're hitting on all eight cylinders and things are going fine. Then all of a sudden, boom, it comes into your life. Winston Churchill said this to the House of Commons in those treacherous days of the Second World War. He said, we must always be ready to meet at our average moment anything that any possible enemy may hurl at us at his selected moment. Now think about that again. I'm going to read it again. We must always be ready to meet at our average moment anything that any possible enemy might hurl at us at his selected moment. Guys, this means that we do not know when things are going to come in our life. We don't know what's going to happen in the natural world or the spiritual world. And conversion it does not make us immune to it consecration does not lessen the blow of it we must be ready at any given time but guys we need to respect the temptation lastly guys in passing life's test there's always a payoff one thing that i want to convey to everyone it doesn't matter where it is i know there's a there's a hymn i, I didn't choose it for tonight i wish i would have now it will be worth it all it's, it's going to be the hard work, the sweat, the pain, the suffering, the temptation, the trials, the struggles, the battles, those things that you're going through now, one day, someday, it's going to be worth it all. I went through things as a young man that I'm, I'm telling you, even yet today, they're revealing their benefit in my life. 
I went through some things that I knew that I put myself in that place. I'm the one that put myself there. I'm the one that made the decision. I'm the one that lived wrong. I'm the one that nearly died. It was me, me, me. I knew that, but God allowed that in my life. And it rendered fruit some 20, 30, 35 years later on. So I'm just telling you tonight, guys, that we need to understand the reality of tests. Yes, we must recognize the test, and we need to respect the test. But lastly tonight, we need to reap from the test. We need to reap from the test. God does not allow the testing without a purpose, guys. He doesn't allow a testing without a purpose, and he has it for a particular reason. You already see the first little sub-point up there. We'll get to that in just a second. But God is not trying to get us to be overcome, but God wants us to be mature in our life. The temptation doesn't, I mean, it doesn't always mean that you've done something wrong. Not always. Sometimes it is, but rarely. Even if it's a temptation to sin, it doesn't mean that we've done something wrong. You know, some people think, well, I was tempted to I was tempted to steal, then therefore it makes me a sinner. Well, we're all sinners, I understand that. But just because you're tempted to do something doesn't make you wrong or make you uh, make you uh, uh, bad or something. Jesus Christ is tempted at all points like as we are, yet he was without sin. I mean, all hell will let loose on the Lord Jesus Christ, all the things that he suffered, and, and, and it may be let loose on us. But it is the passing of the life of uh, the, the life's test today that's going to allow each and every one of us to reap the benefits that God has prepared for us. Now, what are the products of passing life's tests? What are they going to, going to come to you? I mean, guys, you, you know, you may be going through difficulty tonight, or or a loved one, or a friend, or a family member, and and I just want to quickly mention this before we close. There's four quick things that I want to mention to you about reaping the passing of life's test. The first thing that you see is it. It means full joy. And I know that sounds strange. That sounds odd. You're like, how in the world? Am I going to go through all this pain, going to go through this issue, go through these things, and, and it be joyful? You know, James says, my brethren, count it all joy. There is not a word of sentence, there's not a punctuation mark that is in this Holy Scripture right here that it was not given by God himself. And when he says, count it all joy, he means count it all joy. He's not just talking about gritted and bear it. He's talking about becoming an overcomer. Overcomers are joyful Christians. How many people heard of Fanny Crosby? Fanny Crosby. Fanny Crosby was a blind child. At the age of six weeks old, Crosby caught a cold and developed an inflammation in her eyes. And mustard plaster was applied to treat the discharges from her eyes. And according to Crosby... This procedure damaged her optic nerves and, and blinded her for the rest of her life. Now, you know, modern physicians believe that she was probably she was probably congenitally blind instead, and her parents just didn't pick up on it, but that's neither here nor there. Little Fanny Crosby, responsible for writing over eight thousand gospel hymns. But she wrote this at the age of eight years old. She said, Oh, what a happy soul am I, although I cannot see. I am resolved that in this world contented I will be. How many blessings I enjoy that other people don't. To weep inside because I'm blind, I cannot and I won't. I mean, she probably learned that from reading the book of James or having it read to her. Count it all joy. So the first benefit, the first product that we're going to see in counting it all joy is having full joy in our life. And guys, joy is different than happiness. Happiness is dependent upon what is happening in your life. Joy is is a completely different element. The second thing that we're going to find is fortitude. Fortitude. Now, I want you to look there in verse 3 there on your screen. It says, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. That word patience comes from a Greek word, hipponei, 
It literally means to bear up under a trial. Steadfast endurance, it means fortitude. And you will, you, you will be a more steadfast Christian if you learn to rejoice in trials. God gives you these burdens to teach you fortitude, to teach you perseverance, to teach you diligence in your life. And there's no other way to learn it. Long distance runners must run long distances in order to learn how to adjust their stride, to control their breathing, to engage their core, and even to modify their torso uh, position when they're running to get better and better and better. If they're running short distances, they're never going to be a long distance runner. You'll never learn fortitude until you have to endure something in your life. That makes sense. You're not going to learn it if you don't apply it. You know, fortitude is a Christian virtue. You know what it's called? It's called patience. And literally, ye, okay, be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Now, the word perfect does not mean sinless. It comes from the Greek word teleos. And teleos simply means to be mature, to be mature. It's the idea of maturity. And how are you going to get mature maturity in your life? By living a life of ease, not in the least bit. I mean, you have, you're going to grow under stress. It's no different than lifting weights, guys. I mean, if you want to get stronger, you're going to have to add weight. It's called progressive overload. If you want to get stronger, bigger, you're going to have to add more weight into your life. If you want to, to be able to add patience in your life and become more of a patient person, if you want to be able to, to flourish in your life, you're going to have to... Take on the weights of the trials that come into our days. And many of us don't want trials. We don't want any hurts, and therefore we, we become spiritual sissies, if you will. And, and, and we miss the growth that we need in our life, the blessed product. Think about a butterfly. Here's a beautiful example. Now, I'm almost done, guys. I'll be finishing in just a moment. A butterfly is in that little cocoon. It's a caterpillar, and then it gets inside that cocoon, and, and it sits there, and it goes through all this gestation period. And it grows and grows and grows and grows and grows. And then all of a sudden, you see them wiggling around inside the, the cocoon. You can see them moving, going around, and all this and that. And then, then, then just a little bitty teeny crack in the cocoon, right? It cracks a little bit. It opens. And you see them moving, moving, moving. And I read one time where a guy took a surgical, he took some surgical scissors. He saw this little butterfly, okay? You know, struggling, 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 trying to get out of this cocoon. And he took these surgical scissors and he snipped open that, that cocoon and out popped the butterfly. Right? And it wiggled around a little bit and it tried to, tried to flap its wings and then it died. Died. All that time just to fall out on the floor and die inside that pod. Why? God designed that butterfly to go from a caterpillar first, get in that cocoon, and when it reached a mature age or the age where it was starting to get under stress, when it broke out of that cocoon, that breaking out, that natural slow process of that stress that was being pressed on its wings, that's what makes the wings of the butterfly strong. That's what makes them be able to open up. That's what caused them and allows them to be able to fly. You take the lack of stress out of someone, you take the lack of stress out of our life, and it's just going to cause weakness. We're never going to reach that, that product of flourishing. Lastly, tonight, the last of all, the fourth one, fourth product that we find is we can be full. We can be full. Again, verse 4 says, let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire. And here it is. Watch this. Wanting, that is, needing nothing. Trials, testings, heartaches, tears, difficulties, they're not there to rob you. What they're there to do is to make you full. And the idea is where is, is we're, we're not going to live a life of inadequacy tonight. You're going to have everything that you need. 
God is going to increase you when you go through these things. And, and guys, I would not choose them. I do not want them. I've experienced them. I'm continuing to experience them. And I can look back at every single one of them. And I can say, I hope I never go through that again. But thank God that I did. And thank God that I grew through it all. So the concluding thought tonight is that you're not going to pass life's test until you enroll in the school. Guys, you can't even get into the school until you have reached that point in time where you've given your heart and your life over to Jesus Christ. There's been people who have been at the crossroads. They're stood right there in the crossroads, and they got to make a decision left or right. I remember one year, several years back here, uh, our theme was at the crossroads of eternity, and I had a picture of a, uh, the picture actually came from the Mississippi Delta and had a had a man, it stems back to the idea of uh, the crossroads there, the old blues players would go down to this crossroads, and, and uh, but anyway, that, that's the picture that I used, is a man standing there in the crossroads from up top, and he's got a direction to turn, left or right. And so tonight, guys, if you you're going to go through the trials nonetheless. The choice this evening that you have is to be able to take on the product of the trials, the temptations, the test. You can't pass life's test this evening until you're enrolled in the school. And enrolling in the school is putting your faith, your unfeigned faith, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. You say, preacher, I thought that's for eternal life. That's for eternal life, and yet that's also to give us life more abundant. That's what Christ wants to do. He wants you tonight to give your heart and your life to Him. And then when you go through the trials that you're going to go through anyway, they'll be for a much greater benefit. They'll be for a much greater product. And they'll tender and touch you and allow you to grow in ways that you never could before. We you bow your heads to see them? Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for this opportunity. We thank you for allowing us to be here this evening. Lord, as we go into our closing song tonight, as we... Later on, depart one another and go into the busyness of the week. I just simply ask you to allow the words that were heard this evening to not be soon forgotten. I pray to your God they will rest upon the hearts, souls, and minds of everyone present here this evening, myself included, those who will watch or have watched online and hear it at a different venue. Lord, I pray. I pray that you make a difference in their life, both today and in eternity. I pray to your God the moving, the guidance and direction of the Holy Spirit. And we do give glory and honor to my Savior, Jesus Christ, this evening. In his name we ask. Amen.